Hello and welcome once again to episode 86 of Code Completion, a special, another special midweek bonus episode because we are recording like two days after we last recorded. Um, and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So uh, today was the first day of WWDC and we just finished watching the keynotes and State of the Unions. Um, and we figured what better time to have our reactions while they're fresh and steaming in our heads. Right. Yeah, definitely. Although I um I'm slightly missed the memo on the time for the State of the Union, so I caught like the last ten minutes of it, which was a bummer. But um, that's the important bits. I'm surprised they didn't even show Xcode in the whole thing. Like they showed yeah. screenshots of Xcode, but usually they do like a little overview of like what's new in Xcode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of showed it in passing. Um, with regard to like how Swift's UI is improved and all that, but yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, it'll definitely be exciting to see how, if they go into more depth on, like, if there is, like, a what's new in Xcode um, session or something. But uh, hopefully in Swift UI uh, sessions, we get some of that. Like like we were saying uh, in our last episode, maybe some better preview support or, or something just along that that's kind of related to Xcode itself. So we'll see. Uh, but it yep. was super feature-packed, and Dimitri's got this awesome presentation for us to kind of go through um like screenshots and kind of highlights so uh it's gonna be a good episode i'm excited yep so i i was uh mad at work uh screenshotting the entire keynote (laughs) uh just that way i could remember what on earth uh got um got announced and the first thing that they 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 made a point of in both the keynote and the state of the union is a new developer center um and we kind of knew that this existed and there were a bunch of tweets by Paul Hudson uh, that showed what it's like on the inside of that. So we'll we'll be sure to link to those. Yeah, definitely. Super cool. I, I wasn't quite sure um, what exactly it's for. It sounds like that you can get like some live one-on-one help. Is that more or less kind of what it is? Just a space for that kind of thing and, and I don't know, meetings or something? I guess um, it, it reminds me a little bit of the hardware labs that Apple used to have where you could like uh, s- not sign up, but but like make an appointment and then mm-hmm. you can go there and test your uh, macOS software with all macOS devices. Oh, OK. Um, nowadays, that's a lot simpler because they're all the same device with different uh, shapes. But sure. uh, back in the day, that was uh, there were a huge amount and vari- variation in terms of devices. Um, so that was a kind of cool feature of that. Nice. Um, and then they also called out the tech talks, which they had right. throughout the year. Um, and I think this is like an effort of saying uh, the new format of WWDC is this. Uh, we will have kind of stuff throughout the year, a permanent presence on Apple's campus uh, for developers. Um, and then the conference once a year is kind of all online, but with a physical component if you're in town. Um, and you just want to network with people, uh, that will be the benefit of being in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that sound about right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we've talked about it, at, I think, probably the last two, at the very least, WWDC talks or episodes that we've had, if not kind of throughout other episodes. But I I think we both agree that the format seems really good, where uh, sessions that need to be long can be long, but also sessions that are succinct and, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, and that's all the information that you need to get across. That's all they are. They don't have to be padded out. 
to to meet some kind of equal time requirement with the rest of the other sessions going on. So I think it's in a pretty good format and it's cool that, you know, they invited people to come uh, to campus today and everything. But I think very uh, largely it's been a pretty good success and kind of a good change into this more asynchronous uh, format where everyone is asynchronous, I suppose, not just, you know, those who win the raffle kind of get to be there. So. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally they did some call outs to um, uh, the, I think these are like camps that they set up um, mm -hmm. for, uh, different groups around the world, um, and they made sure to say that there are 34 million Apple developers, um, so they do not fit at Dub Dub anymore. No, uh, <laughs> and they haven't for quite a while. So uh, that was cool that they called that out. Um, and this this transitions directly into uh, the iOS portion of the keynote, um, and the first part of that was the lock screen. Yeah, interesting stuff with the lock screen. And what I said in our Slack group was like, oh, so it's a watch uh, with like strike through phone face, but it's very much the same interface that you would use uh, to kind of build out your own um, watch face, you know, with different complications and, and uh, fonts and everything like that. So a uh, little more customization. I mean, we saw this a little bit with, uh, you know, putting widgets on the... Um, on uh just the home screen in general but kind of adding this slightly more customizability uh in the lock screen is cool and along with that they added things like um oh shoot let me pull up my notes here uh live activities so you can you know put in just widgets but things like if you've got uh, a game on like right there in that example uh, that just pulled up on the on the on dimitri's video it was like um an uber how long it will take for you to arrive or for it to arrive to you or uh, a sports game where instead of getting a billion notifications, you just kind of have it live updating. So kind of a more um, uh, dynamic, I suppose, widget than just the ones that are pretty, uh, as far as I remember in looking into widget kit, it's fairly limited the amount of uh, kind of refreshes you can do and everything. So um yeah, you kind of that. schedule a day out in advance, and then yeah. <laughs> when the time hits that time, that's what it's going to show, but it's not very live in any capacity. So this definitely feels like an upgrade to that, mm -hmm. or a rewrite of that API that was um, underpowered, to say the least. Um, but I haven't yeah. actually looked at any of the SDK, uh, so I have no clue if that is correct or not. Uh, but that's what it seems uh, yeah. from the keynote. Um, but overall, very cool. Like the, um, one thing I really liked with that before we move on was like, uh, you can have a different lock screen for like focus mode. So it's very easy to tell, um, which focus mode you're in. And uh, along with that also you, let's see, what was it? You could already do that with the home screen, right? Or couldn't you change what apps were on the home screen? There was something else along with that. Oh, showing like, uh, messages, uh, mail, uh, and something else, maybe notes, um, that were specific to whatever focus mode you were, you were in. So that was really cool as well. Yeah. I have not used focus modes. 
Oh, really? Last year. Yeah, the most I did was turn on like notifications for my laundry when bedtime is happening because I was like, why is it not telling me when my laundry is not done? <laughs> um, so that was that's like the extent of focus modes that I've uh, used. Um, and I guess I use the, all the automatic parts of it. Like when it's bedtime, it automatically switches. Sure, sure. And then I automatically do not get uh, disturbed. And then I realize in the morning that there are tons of things I needed to be disturbed so yeah i have not done any on anything to act on that though so i guess it's working as designed um but yeah it's it's good to see more coming to it i guess as long as it's automatic and i'll use it i guess yeah yeah definitely um and that leads into the next like huge if there was an audience they would be like roaring with applause because yeah. there were a lot of improvements <laughs> to messages um and that includes the, t- the possibility to rewrite history. Yeah, sort More of. More like just editing messages. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's what we have in things like Slack, right, where you can edit messages. Uh, it's not going to, like, I guess, uh, on the, let's see, how would I say this, like, secretly edit it. Like, it will say, you know, edited just like it does in Slack and everything. Um, and you can undo mm-hmm. sending. And it looked like from the... Um, the kind of screenshots that they had that it would say like this person uh undid or unsent a message so it's not like it's like completely gone per se so Mm -hmm. i guess you could still get called out (laughs) be like why'd you unsend that or something but well it's it's mostly if you get the notification then it like disappears um like that's something very awkward from slack that you end up asking anyways and this like gets rid of the asking right that's a good Um, point yeah, like Slack will will tell you that something's been deleted only if there's a thread attached to it. But if mm-hmm. you type something, at mention someone, and then delete that, they'll still get the notification. Yeah. And they'll still see that, uh, potentially. Uh, so I think this is a safeguard to prevent the awkward, like, hey, did you need me for something? Because then it says, oh, no, like, that was an accident. Um, so then they don't necessarily see the full message, uh, but they also know that, Whatever was sent was sent accidentally, so like whatever they did see, it's not something they should concern themselves about. That um, makes sense. And do we know what editing uh, edited messages look like? I'm sure they just say edited, right? Yeah, it was like you know how the place right under the message where it says like red at whatever. Uh huh. It's or right sent. there. It just says edited. Okay. So yeah, I, I would say that thing. makes sense. For, yeah. Yeah, we don't need a history diff of. <laughs> All the changes made to a message. Let's integrate Git into messages. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I think I think tweets need the the full diff because there's a lot more nuance there of sure. spreading misinformation. But uh, for messages, I think just being able to edit it is more than good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then finally, you can mark threads unread. Like finally, so yes. you don't have to necessarily uh, panic when you tap something or not look at it for months because you're like overwhelmed. Um, and now I too can have a unread message thing on my messages app, uh, that matches my email app. So I'm at 82,927 currently, uh, almost at that hundred K, um, getting there. So, uh, maybe messages can add up to that and that can help, help push me over that boundary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's, let's go on to the next one. I don't have anything else with, with messages personally, or do you? Yeah, so, okay. so the last thing... <laughs> My bad. Uh, the, oh, the API. The last thing that I, I did want to call out was uh, there's a shared with you API that Messages uses, uh, and this lets uh, things show up in Safari. 
Um, and it seems like apps can participate in this. I'm not sure in which direction, if it's only like vending things that are have been shared. Like if you're in Slack and links have been posted, you can post things in Safari basically uh-huh. and say like, hey, these links were shared with you. Or if it means that you can consume uh, things that have been shared with the user, which I think would be a privacy violation uh, in most cases. Uh, so I don't know if it will go in that direction, but I can definitely see it going in the other direction of like vending the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they included it as a part of that section. So worth calling out. Yeah, a lot of stuff with SharePlay, which I thought was cool. Um, they went into, well, I don't know if this necessarily has to do with SharePlay, so correct me um, if I'm wrong here, but there was a lot of like collaboration kind of uh, focused things where um, it was sort of, you could, SharePlay would be used outside of like watching a video or a movie together, um, but you could, um, yeah, is the collaboration a part of this or am I getting ahead again? (laughs) I think I think you're getting ahead of it a little bit. So here okay. in this My particular bad. case, they one said that hey, if you ha- if you support SharePlay and the user has your app in- installed, we're going to make that front center in a- some way, and that's that's this first uh, guy right here um, where you can go ahead and see like which apps um, are part of SharePlay on your device. Oh, okay. And then the second piece is if you don't have apps that have SharePlay, you can directly find apps that have SharePlay and get inspired. Gotcha. Um, and I find it super funny that Crunchyroll is the number one hit here. Uh, but yeah, you should watch anime together. It's an awesome uh, experience. And uh, like moving the on, next, <laughs> the next one being browsing Reddit together. That's that, I think that's pretty funny too. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so learn about uh, a foreign world and then burn down the current world, uh, and you're good, right? That's yeah. the <laughs> the path you should take. Um, and if you don't want to do this over FaceTime because you don't want to do it over FaceTime, you can do it over Messages. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the neat addition of SharePlay and Messages, which I found pretty cool. Yeah, and I think they also, I don't think it's here, but they later on, I think, mentioned um, that there's also like SharePlay and games as well. So you could uh, mm-hmm. join a game through SharePlay as well. So that's cool. Yeah, so it's, it's it's integrated as more like first top level feature rather than being a subcategory of FaceTime, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty nice. Um, and then they have some really cool dictation stuff. Yeah, for sure. This is super cool where I, I, I don't personally use dictation hardly ever, but that use case of being able to just have it kind of live dictate while you're also kind of using the keyboard is cool. Um, I'm... I was personally trying to think of a time when I would use it and I couldn't really think of one, but I, this feels like one of those things like we were talking about, I I think last episode with like 3d touch where it like became so ubiquitous. And then I really missed it when it was gone. I think it will slowly become something that I'll use more Mm -hmm. and more over time. Um, and also another thing with that, I think was, um, like this is like system wide. So it's not just like in messages, but it's, um, you can use Siri to dictate it more. Like, I think one of the things, and again, I don't use dictation much, but one of the things is like, if you dictate longer sentences, it will start putting in punctuation for you, adding emojis and everything, where I don't think that's the case currently. And I know my mom uses dictation a ton, and she has to say like, period, exclamation point and stuff. So if it can mm-hmm. kind of pick up on inflection and, and things like that, that's really cool. Yeah, and... 
I think being working with you rather than being a mode that you just enter, I think uh-huh. is going to be the game changing part of this that just makes it super useful for people that can just like talk out loud constantly, mm-hmm. uh, which is not the case in many office settings, but is the case if you're at home. Uh, so maybe it's something that we just get more used to now that it's available. Yeah, I was wondering, it looks like just from these screenshots, maybe you have to tap that bottom right um, microphone button to like enable it or something because it would be a little bit of a pain if it just starts, you know, you are in an office environment and someone starts talking and it starts adding text into whatever you're typing. So hopefully, and I'm sure they've thought of this, but they uh, they have to, you know, actually turn it on somehow as a user before it just starts uh, live translating for you. Uh, and talking about uh, live things Ooh. with text, uh, live text got a few upgrades as well. Yeah, uh, super cool with this one. I thought their example of using like a co- like a you know coding tutorial was super cool. Where now it works on video, where you can you know pause it and and select text that way. So that's awesome. Um, and the one on the right that Dimitri has here is uh, it'll like lives are probably not live but it will kind of cut things out for you uh so you know cutting the dog out of uh, out of the background is like insane and just shows all of the advancements for with the neural engine and, and just all of this machine learning stuff that they're doing to be able to have this um kind of built in and i, I think a huge part of that is there is i i think it's a part of the vision api uh, now we have support, like first-party support for uh, optical character recognition in our own apps, I believe, as well, with as, mm-hmm. as well as yeah. live text. So that's awesome. Well, yeah, we were able to do optical character recognition up until now, but we didn't have the the ease of live text, if that makes any sense. So oh, now okay. that first-party like interaction comes for free, whereas with the OCR, you kind of had to build it yourself if you really wanted it. I see. So like you're saying like the camera, you point your whatever at your your camera at whatever, and now, but not before it would start doing the the character recognition for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, or you give it an image and you say, "Hey, do live text on this, please," and mm-hmm. allow the user to interact with it. Yeah. So I can imagine many like social media apps. Anytime they show an image, they can just kind of flip the switch and users can go ahead and use what they kind of got used to in safari and mail Mm -hmm. and all that um though the example like on the right here where they're just pressing long pressing on a dog in an image and then just dragging it um i think that's playing a bit of catch up to what google had last year right um apple kind of showed off live text and then google had a much more impressive demo of doing all sorts of things with images and stuff like that um, and it seems like this kind of brings some of that parody, or at least the parts that people still remembered. Um, I clearly don't remember what exactly they demoed, but uh, I'm also not someone who's using an Android phone, so I wouldn't, like, there's no reason for me to kind of keep thinking about it. So um, I wonder if this is kind of inspired by just needing to catch up to those kinds of areas. Um, but yeah, there's there's a nugget of information in my head that says that <laughs> Apple was not the first to do this particular one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and talking about Google and kind of being first, I can't. Uh, it may be later on in in this deck that Dimitri has, but um, there's also like in the um, Translate app, they've got it now where it will live translate. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. eight or nine Science. languages. 
uh, and signs as well. Yeah, so that's super cool. Um, I know Google's had that. I mean, in theory, I don't know to what degree. But well, they they, they bought World Lens, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's super cool, and I'm sure it would be immensely helpful if you know you're in a foreign country and you, you obviously you can't read anything. Um, being able to point your phone at stuff and just have it immediately pick up on whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think can just help you feel a little bit more comfortable in those situations. Yeah. Um, and one thing to call out um, with uh, a lot of this live tech stuff is um, what did I want to call out? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, my, my brain just farted on me. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I wanted to call out, uh, but it was important and maybe I'll remember it later when we go over it again. Um, but yeah, moving on. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember. I remember. Um, when you do like select text and all this, there is a new little menu, uh, which shows up and it's no longer that black hideous, uh, horrible to interact with menu, uh, for cut copy paste and stuff like that. Um, it is now a white potentially also hideous <laughs> horrible to interact with little menu uh so yeah i don't know if anything's been improved there interaction wise they've only kind of just shown interacting with the first pay- page of like interactions on there mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm i'm wondering if if that is just a uh repaint on top of it or if they actually did improve it anyways moving on to the wallet uh, this is another aspect that Apple spent a whole lot of time on for a feature that I personally don't think of very much. They mentioned uh, using your IDs mm-hmm. or like uh, being able to have an ID in more uh, contexts. One cool thing was it shares info about your ID without sharing your ID. Um, so if no. all an app needs to verify is you're over 21, uh, then the API can verify that you are over 21 without needing to actually give them your personal information. So I expect no app to actually use this because they didn't actually care. Uh, they wanted your information and that yep. was a convenient way of doing it. Um, so we'll see like how many apps actually uh, use this. But um, yeah, the example they used was like Uber for some reason, probably for purchasing alcohol. Um, so yeah, I wonder, I wonder how that's going to turn out. Yeah, not sure. Um, I mean, the thing that got me the most excited in kind of this section was the ID thing. Um, I think really, if I'm going somewhere like the grocery store, the only reason I carry my wallet is because of my ID, because I can just Apple Pay at the grocery store. So, uh, and my I know <laughs> my sister will forget her wallet and her ID or her you know debit card, and that's largely been solved with Apple Pay. So. Uh, for her, I know that having her ID on her phone would be very, very useful. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced a bunch of uh, stuff uh, that I don't think was possible before, like not a bunch of stuff, but one of the things was being able to like take payments from your iPhone. Oh, no, that probably was. What was that? It was announced because they're under like regulatory scrutiny, Oh, um, okay. but it wasn't available. Um, okay. So they said it's coming soon. <laughs> Gotcha. Way of, still not available, but they're re-announcing uh, for everyone to to think gotcha. about. Okay. Yeah. So without needing, you know, like the square swiper or whatever, you can just do touchless stuff through your phone. So that's cool. And a bunch of, like Dimitri's got here, a um, bunch more integration with cars too. 
uh, have virtual mm-hmm. keys and stuff. So, yeah, it's not only cars but hotels. Um, and then oh right, uh, yeah. Um, one one cool thing I thought of uh, that was coming to Apple Pay and being someone who uses Apple Pay on the web quite a bit, um, in that it makes things way simpler. Is you can track up, um, you can track a an order directly mm-hmm. through Apple Pay. So if if the if Shopify deci- basically if Shopify decides to build this in, uh, then uh, a whole ton of websites will automatically get order tracking through the wallet app um, based like directly built into their CMS, which yeah. uh, will make it very nice for consumers. But I think like only Shopify kind of went all in on the Apple Pay uh, kind of part of checkout flows. So we'll we'll have to see uh, how many other places uh, fully support that at the end of the day. Yep. Then you've got like Apple Pay Later, which is a, a concept that I think has been ramping up more and more. There's like the um, Klarna, I think maybe started it or something. I can't remember, but there's like these pay in for uh payment type of things breaks up 25 percent no no interest type of thing um paypal just i think recently started doing it i don't use it but um at least within maybe the last year or so um and so what i mentioned was it seems like uh, kind of apple is trying to take a little bit of that market share from paypal where maybe before uh people would navigate to paypal because it had this pay in for but now because apple pay also has it maybe they'll you know, get a little bit more of that, um, that payment processing, uh, because of it. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems a little bit like dangerous territory <laughs> to me. Um, like anytime you get used to doing stuff like that, you kind of set yourself up for danger, just like using a credit card. It's a, and yeah. It's a credit card. Paying it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens over time as mm-hmm. Apple continues to like, encroach upon uh these aspects um but yeah uh it's it's definitely it's definitely like if if you our listener don't know this uh, do not ever like use your credit card and then only pay the minimum or not pay it full every month like that is the way they are designed to milk you for money over time like if you want to be ahead of it just always always pay your full balance and then you're never uh, you are always ahead of them. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Credit cards, dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, but something that's not dangerous uh, is getting lost because Apple Maps is not bad nowadays. Um, and I rather enjoy using it for stuff. And it seems like a, whole, a lot of other people be able to use it for stuff, which is neat. Yeah. I think they added a bunch of stuff, like like you can see the the 3D um, kind of landmarks and stuff, which is cool. Uh, one that I really thought that I, I thought about needing, maybe not on the daily, definitely not on the daily, but for specific occasions like a long drive or a trip or something, is multi-stop routing. And I thought that was something that was sorely needed and has been sorely it's like needed. kind of there but it's yeah. like not great at the no same and time. like the whole thing is you know if you're i mean i don't know for me it's like if i'm getting directions and i have to go somewhere else you know you tell siri hey go actually go here and it's not kind of uh, merging those two routes and then you have to start a new route and it's just kind of a whole thing so if you could set that up before time uh, and just have it kind of roll through all of those stops. That would be 
super nice. So super excited about that. Looks like they got the, the um, kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it, more uh, advanced looking maps in a bunch of new countries too. So. Video game maps. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was them. looking at like the, um, the uh, Coney Island or whatever that is right off the coast. Uh, and I was like, ah, PS1 graphics. Perfect. <laughs> So, so actually, I actually was very uh, surprised to see uh, not not Las Vegas because I don't know Las Vegas, but I do know these two, and it turns out a whole ton of Apple users that have Apple TVs might also know these two. Uh, so this one is LAX uh, with right. their like weird restaurant thing, um, and there is a screensaver on the Apple TV of LAX of it like slowly going over, um, and you see the planes get larger and larger. Um, as it gets to the end of the airport, because that's all the international flights. So you see really big planes uh, next to really small ones, which is always fun. Um, and then this one over here is Santa Monica Pier, which is oh. also an Apple TV screensaver. Um, it's the one with the really green algae-filled water uh, that they like cleaned up for this footage, because anyone who's been in person to Santa Monica can vouch that the beach is not clean. Um, <laughs> it is full of plastic and whole bunch of stuff in the water uh so they must have like cleaned up just for this footage or mm-hmm. d- did it right after some storm or like high low tide whatever um uh, when they got that apple tv footage but uh it's really cool that they made like a little 3d uh thing of the roller coaster and stuff so uh i thought that was pretty neat so the map is really not that accurate then if it's not showing all the garbage and stuff that's what you're saying. Well, the map is accurate to the Apple TV footage, which uh, oh, is okay. accurate in a in the best of times, right? In the Apple canon, I see. <laughs> yep. Um, and then they added; they're going to be adding these new 3D maps to a whole bunch of different cities, which is neat. Um, and there's a whole bunch of improvements for uh, the actual like process of getting directions via transit. Like it'll tell you when stuff. When your fare, uh, when you don't have enough for your fare, if your card is like linked, um, what else did they add? I haven't used transit in a very long time. Yeah, me um, like delays, I think, or I don't know. Being able <laughs> to like something. refill right from right from the app is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. The only times I use transit are like, you know, I've been to New York and we, I use transit there and in London and stuff. So being able to do it there, not having to sit at a kiosk or, or anything, would be super nice for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they mentioned it in the keynote in passing, uh, but the uh, 3D maps are also coming to apps. So if you have any apps and you've been mm-hmm. like toying with uh, giving a 3D view and you were just disappointed that it looked like underwhelming compared to what the Maps app looked like, uh, you now get access to all the 3D maps um, directly in your third-party app. So uh, I think that is pretty cool. And that goes for uh, the... Uh, What's it called? The Street View? Yeah, thing? I just want to call it Google Street View. I can't remember. Yeah, so the so the Apple fancier Street View, which yeah. like actually has super nice animations, uh, that one uh, is is something that um, you can go ahead and use in third party apps as well. Nice. Um, and then we go into the sports section. We learn that Craig has one hell of a throw. Yep. Uh, and that's about all I grasped from that section because sports. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? Nope. <laughs> nope. It, uh, I mean, so yeah, there's a sports you know. section. Yep, go sports. There's highlights and it's available <laughs> everywhere. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, and yeah, that moves on to uh, 
iCloud family sharing and parental restrictions uh, and a whole bunch of overhauls here, uh, which actually do kind of seem more useful than the sports stuff. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, well, I don't, you know, I don't use family sharing, so <laughs> I, I don't know what is there and what is not or what will be there. But one of the things I thought was cool was, you know, you set up this whole profile and then uh, if you get like your, your kid gets like a new iPad or whatever, um, you can just, you know, put your phone next to the iPad just like you would to set up a new device. But you can say, who are you setting it up for? And it will immediately just kind of set everything up, set the right permissions and stuff. So uh, not, you know, uh, probably not doing this a ton, but when you do do it, you know, setting an, up a new device is a pain for anyone. So especially I'm sure with having to set up a bunch of permissions. So having this just be streamlined, one click is super cool. Mm-hmm. And and things like uh, requesting purchases uh, also now goes through messages rather than mm-hmm. just being like some modal alert that pops up, um, I would imagine is... Not the best experience. Well, now it shows up in messages to be lost in the torrent of messages. So uh, if if the child is not persistent enough, they will learn to be more persistent <laughs> to get uh, the message uh, seen, maybe through using threading or something like that to bring, bring the parent back uh, to that. Um, so I felt like this was more of like a lead up to the real gem of family sharing, which uh, is now possible shared photo libraries, which is like, finally, 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 finally. Yeah, no doubt. This is super cool. I mean, my family has a photo library, right? But it's not, not like, I don't know. The whole thing with this that I thought was awesome is, uh, you can set in the camera, you can set it so that it just automatically takes the photo and puts it in the the photo library. And they it, it does some really cool things too, which I thought was probably the most impressive, where you can say like, it will automatically turn that on in the camera if you are near other members of your family or whatever that group is. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're all on a group, vac- on a family vacation, it'll know, oh yeah, these people are together. We'll just throw it automatically uh, into that shared photo library and then you know really you don't have to worry about it and it's just automatically going to do it for you so that's super cool mm-hmm. i'm kind of worried that like for whatever reason this is going to be gimped in some way where like the quality is not that great kind of like with the shared photo albums the quality is just not great in those um it's not the original so mm-hmm. i'm hoping 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 that this is the actual original photos um that are being added and yeah. I'm kind of also hoping that it extends outside of like your iCloud photo, like your iCloud family, sure. um, to yeah, include yeah. your like more, uh, like I I don't I wouldn't know how to describe it in terms of like iCloud families, but your like Atomic family, which may not be uh, like directly part of your digital family. Um, if that makes any sense. So mm-hmm. uh, in my case, I have my wife on our like iCloud family, but I don't necessarily want to have my parents because they're part of their uh-huh. own iCloud family, but I would still like to have a shared library with my parents, if that makes any sense. So um, I don't think that's probably coming uh, with this iteration of that, um, but I think that would be like a very logical next step. Uh, for now, I'd say that this is going to be amazing because it's going to allow my wife and I to just merge our libraries mm-hmm. um, because it, it seems like it they considered like uh, import options where you can say given a start date or given all of time, 
uh, you can go ahead and just merge stuff. Merge but you still have you still have like the control to say like, hey, I don't want to share this photo, um, or I want to like keep this uh, private because it's a present, and that's the only thing you ever want to keep private with photos. So that was the excellent example to call out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say more about that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, as as you said, I think it's it's going to be really cool to finally have this. Uh, yeah. Okay. So safety safety check was cool. Um, I think what they did of kind of giving an example of like an abusive relationship is really cool. Where um, we have all of these things to you know track our family members or our friends or whoever. Um, you know, in a good way, or hopefully it's used in a good way. But if it's not. Uh, this is a way to kind of out in one place, uh, you can kind of see a report of everything that you're sharing with people. And I think also with apps as well was a part of that, um, mm-hmm. as far as permissions go. So you could just, uh, do a reset and then it will, you know, just basically remove those permissions for those people, uh, and apps as well, uh, in order to, you know, not share your location or information when it's not needed. So super cool there good um good thinking and i wonder if this is slightly maybe spurred by like the um the whole issue of people leaving air tags on on people and stuff i don't know Mm -hmm. i I think it's a combination of that and the negative publicity from uh what they're trying to do with like detecting um detecting problematic images and private photo libraries and stuff like that oh Um, oh, so they they may be doing a little bit of course correcting from a public perception from a PR point of view, and this mm-hmm. is one way to like uh, get some good points uh, before they try that endeavor uh, once again. So uh, only time we'll see, of course. But um, it's it's a good call out for them to have as a feature of an OS, uh, especially because there are so many facets that you can directly be connected with somebody when it's like through digitally as well as um physically oh man the home app i am so is it bad that this is like one of the things that i am the most excited about (laughs) is just a a redesign of the stupid home app because it's the worst app apple makes it's not the worst spencer i have screens and screens of switches i need to go through and i i want to manage those switches (laughs) it's so bad i have like one switch in every room and then i have you know like one room with like a switch and a home pod right it's so annoying that there's this giant screen that's just taken up by these two little boxes so having everything just be on the home screen and having a table view isn't that mind-blowing just some list view a collection view whatever it is uh showing everything is man what a concept it only took them what like five years to have a good i mean home it's app? only a problem for us code completion hosts with mansions and 100 rooms each right ah uh, yes that's yes only... that's us yep definitely <laughs> all the money we're making off of code completion someone yep. please sponsor uh, us <laughs> so i've uh, invested all zero dollars uh well <laughs> yeah for real actually i mean we're we're paying money <laughs> but hey. <laughs> anyway super excited about that um Mm-hmm. And like the matter integration is going to be cool. I remember they announced this integration or this collaboration rather like two years ago or something, two or three. It's been a while. Um, so to see things kind of finally uh, getting along and I was wondering how they were going to do it if there was going to be like a matter app and it wasn't, you know, HomeKit wasn't going to be um, 
or the home app, I suppose, and home kit things were just going to kind of phase out in, in favor of matter products, but it sounds like it'll sort of more or less be probably both. I don't know. If that makes it sense. seems to me that matter is based on HomeKit, which was yeah. a surprising part of the announcement, right? Pretty, I mean, in a way though, that's super cool. That, I mean, HomeKit is definitely the the platform of tr- of choice that I would trust um, as far as connected devices, especially with you know cameras and door locks and whatever there are. Uh, so, I mean, that was cool to hear that that's the base on which everything is going to use moving forward within the standard. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that no one's going to implement Matter? <laughs> because HomeKit was like the hardest uh, one to implement. Therefore, not a lot of companies did it. Yeah, um, maybe. I guess, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, because a lot of these companies are, are the ones that were already supporting HomeKit. So uh, it's not necessarily the ones that had the most trouble. Yeah. Um, but it's like a collaboration. I think the other two like big names were like Google and Amazon, maybe. Yeah, the other of... two home. So home I mean, if, if they're behind it, and that becomes the standard, I don't know. Hopefully, it gets a little more traction. We'll see. But mm-hmm. look at that sweet UI. It's almost like you can access your entire home from one view or something. What a what a concept, man. I, so personally, I'm just hoping that if you like spend time to like customize the home app, like I did on I think my phone, um, and put pictures for every room and all that, and then you like pull up another device and notice that none of it is there, and then anyone who share your home with none of it is there. It's like what was the point exactly yeah. to me customizing uh, the home app? So I, I hope that whatever they do, they like do a better job here. I know my wife Lynn. Like, her home app, app is, like, completely borked. Um, every time she launches it, it's, like, a fresh new launch experience. It's like, hey, do you want uh, oh. personalized requests on HomePod? Uh, and then the next time she launches it, it shows, hey, do you want personalized requests on HomePod? Uh, so, yeah, I, I just hope that they clean. I just hope that they rewrote this app uh, just so that way whatever cruft was left behind that caused that issue uh, is, is uh, something that's fixed once and for all. I think that would be good. Um, and this, this leads us to the different, uh, app that we use in our secondary homes are cars. Um, and that is CarPlay. Yeah, I am. I am disappointed. Uh, <laughs> you are disappointed. Why? I am disa- well, um, oh, I, I don't know when this was. Explain a to us the specific reasons why <laughs> you're disappointed. A couple episodes ago, I said I wanted... CarPlay on iPad or iPhone so I could just shove an iPad on my 97 Honda Civic because I'm cheap and I don't want a new car. Uh, but then they're like, no, nah, we're going to take it further. We're going to put home or CarPlay on multiple screens and have hardware integration. And now I'm like, oh, I am so sad. I, am I so mean, essentially, it's a 50 inch ultra, ultra, ultra wide display that they're I like know. demoing a lot of the stuff I on. Oh, right? man. <laughs> Um, I, okay, so this whole thing, like, they're, like, talking to someone. It's not us developers. It's not users. I feel like it's Tesla. Um, it's, like, a (laughs) very specific car manufacturer. They're, like, hey, we even are, like, showing this exact same, well, not this one that's on screen, but they had a few where it's, like, there's that central, like, landscape thing, and then there's a little console in front, and it's exactly what, uh, some, some company has, 
um, and it has like everything through CarPlay. So I I think they're they're kind of giving a message to auto manufacturers and saying, hey, we know you don't like making the UIs for your like yeah. infotainment systems. Uh, we know that you probably spend way too much and like are never happy with it. Uh, and then we know that people own cars for more than a year uh, and it quickly becomes outdated. So why don't you let us take care of all of that? And all you have to do is allow us to take over all your screens. And if you allow us to take over all your screens, we can continue to uh, give the users a very customizable experience that is exactly to what they want. Um, and that will continue to evolve into the future rather than remain stagnant. Um, and all you need to do is give us uh, signals for your vehicle's current capabilities. Like, that's yeah. never going to change. So it's like once and done. Um, and then the, the phone can kind of take over from there. Um, it seems like some manufacturers are, like, totally on board doing this. Uh, namely, all the expensive ones. Um <laughs> Yeah, like Honda's implementation is okay. Um, it's just that that like central one. Uh, I imagine the future Hondas will just continue to be okay because mm-hmm. Honda's not building out the CarPlay support. Sure. It's some Android thing that they're running that has a CarPlay support. So uh, we'll see how this kind of like integrates everywhere. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like they were talking directly to Tesla with so much of this, um, and it's. It's a bit of a shame that they are like one of the only manufacturers that doesn't have CarPlay or Android Auto or whatever you have it uh, nowadays. Because it seems like people really want it. Yeah. Either that or Android Auto if they're an Android person. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am I am the big sad. But oh well. I mean, look at all that customization you can do. Dude. Like imagine reaching through your steering wheel to like press and hold to move... <laughs> I don't want another payment that's like half of my mortgage just for that. I mean, I do, but I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that that's basically all of iOS. And that, that was pretty cool, I yeah, would say. a fair amount for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that they did not call out and that they do have on like their little tile thing at the end uh, is new emoji customizations. So mm-hmm. you can have them do different uh, different poses. That's neat. Yep. Uh, and yeah. Oh, and quick note, I thought that was cool as well on on yep. iPhone. Um, and then that transitions over to WatchOS, uh, and uh, WatchOS seems to just add more like workout stuff. Is mm-hmm. that like the good high level overview? I don't yeah, really remember. Much. Yep, and I'm assuming also that um. The stuff that they talked about, uh, not in in here, but we were talking about a couple weeks ago with um, like the accessibility features of um, being able to see your watch screen on on your phone and stuff is probably coming in iOS 16 as well. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then these three new watch faces, which are, oh yeah, yeah, we're at nine. Nine. Yeah. So be watch series eight with watch OS nine. (sighs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought these, these new watch faces were really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, it's always fun to have variable fonts. And then the lunar one was really cool because it acknowledges other cultures exist, uh, which is always fun. (laughs) Definitely. Um, and then this earth one is like a 3d one that I didn't grab a video of for the iPhone. Uh, but the iPhone lock screen is also really cool. Like when you swipe up, you like roll the planet forward and then you get like a little, uh, a different uh, wallpaper as a result of that. And I thought that was really cool. So 
these feel like they have a lot of the same uh, vibes to them. Um, they're doing fancy stuff with machine learning to track how you move for workouts. Um, and they have support for things like triathlons and stuff like that. So switching workouts um, or doing custom workouts, like all of that uh, seems to be supported. Um, yeah, that, and also like a key thing is that you can now have the fitness app on an iPhone only non-Apple Watch experience, oh, right. which um, I think will be cool for a lot of people to join in on the fun that they've been missing out on for eight years. Um, yeah, and then more stuff with uh, sleep tracking. Um, I, you know, every time I think about this, I think I should wear my watch to sleep and then I try it and then I can't get used to sleeping with my watch. I just need to try it more. But I think it's just more accurate sleep tracking of the different uh, stages of sleep and everything. Uh, Dimitri, I'm sure, knows know more about that because I know that you also do sleep with a watch on. Yeah, so I, I have like many generations of watch. The three and the five are the ones I currently use. Um, and I sleep with my three and I wear my five like throughout the day. Um, and uh, yeah, it tracks it tracks sleep. Um, it tracks sleep poorly compared to other like sleep tracking apps. Mm. Uh, but all of it is kind of like a non well known science, uh, especially how something simple like heartbeat correlates with what you're doing with your eyeballs because it's not directly related. Your watch is not on your eyeballs to know if you have REM or not. Uh, so uh, it's it's really like finding minute little signals and then kind of extrapolating from there. Um, and I would probably trust Apple far more than I trust most other apps. No offense to C++, which I continue to use to this day. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that Apple probably can figure out exactly what's going on a little bit better uh, than Sleep Plus Plus um, can. Uh, that said, an alternative for all this is that apps like Sleep Plus Plus can supplant uh, this data a little bit more accurately uh, because it seems like the health app will be able to differentiate instead of between sleep and not sleep, which is currently what it differentiates between. Uh, you can have the different levels um, right. and have that be recorded in the health app. Uh, so all of those apps, if you've been recording it for quite a while, can dump that data in. Um, and you can make use of it. Um, whereas up until now, maybe you can only do this with a, a new watch. Who knows? Um, but that can get a little bit better. Yeah. So uh, this one was cool with the um, atrial fibrillation, fib, fibrillation um, tracking on your watch. It kind of can give more of a history and say like, oh, you've had this happen like I think the thing was like 18% in the last uh, 30 days or something. I can't remember exactly what the timeline was, but, and then also show that in the app. And I think also actions to take in order to uh, potentially reduce uh, it from happening again, which was cool. And I can't remember mm -hmm. if it was this, the sleep tracking or something else where um, it's a part of research kit so that it can uh, sort of more, all more of it, prog all, all of it. Okay. More yeah. progress can be made in in studying it just by kind of crowdsourcing all of this data. Um, I'm sure anonymously, uh, but you know, you donating all of your data um, to um, progress research with with atrial fibrillation or and or sleep and more. So super cool with that as well. That they're kind of and you can generate PDFs. Oh, and you can nice. generate PDFs to to help your doctor out who may not be technologically savvy to understand what's right. going on in your phone so you can directly give them the graphs and hopefully they can make decisions based on that 
Um, and then the final piece of this, which I think has been like a missing spot for health, uh, is mm. keeping track of medications. And in typical Apple fashion, uh, they do two really cool things. Uh, one, you can just scan your drugs and it will like yep. know what they are. Um, I don't know how well that works. We'll have to see. <laughs> but uh, it seems like drug labels are at least very standardized or very consistent um, in how they are printed. Uh, so perhaps there is a lot that can just be deduced immediately from uh, scanning. So uh, there's that aspect of it. Um, and then there's the other aspect of it where they will be giving you um, warnings related mm-hmm. to, like, don't take this with alcohol, but also... Um, any other considerations that you might not know of uh, based on evidence-based medicine. So what this means is that uh, any medication or supplements that you're taking, your phone is going to kind of double-check that it's something that you should actually be right. uh, taking. And if it knows that that's like a bad idea, it will probably tell you that, um, which I thought was really cool. We'll have to see like how um, conservative it is. Um, because a lot of like medicine is, uh, there's evidence-based medicine and there's non-evidence-based medicine. So I hope it's strongly on the evidence-based side where if there's no evidence, it doesn't just kind of let it through and kind of notifies you that there's no evidence. Um, and I think that will be very helpful to a lot of people who are not necessarily keeping track of like papers and studies to actually know what, uh, works and what doesn't. And this can help them make more informed decisions to say the least yeah another thing that i thought was cool which uh was family sharing with this so if you've got like um you know parents that are that are getting older and you want to make sure that they take their medications for the day um assuming that they you know mark it as as taken within uh, their phones or their or whatever um you can make sure that they have taken medications and it's kind of shared uh or at least you can track it through them and not through you, if that makes sense. Yeah, like you can use you can you can use their device's account through your device to like keep track of it on their behalf. Oh, okay. If that cool. makes any sense. Yeah, I didn't. I, didn't uh, I don't know. Sense. I'm just I'm just saying like the, oh. I think that oh that may that would make sense because a lot of times with older individuals they don't remember oh, and they don't keep track. I of. see what you're saying. So it's like up to someone else to manage that. Yes. But you can't, like, input someone else's drugs into your health data. Sure. Like, that I would not be saying. useful to you. But mm-hmm. if you can input it into their health data and then manage that um, without, like, just having a separate phone just for them that they never use and that you use, mm-hmm. um, that would be that would be convenient. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to the end card uh, for the watch. And it seems like there are a few uh, new things to it. You have home keys for kids. Um, which nice. I guess was surprising that it wasn't there before, but now it is. <laughs> um, you have a redesigned calendar app, uh, which seems neat. Um, you have cross device connectivity. Um, I don't remember what this was referring to. Yeah. Uh, it must be like using your watch as an Apple TV remote would be my guess. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you have more keyboard languages, which is also always good for non-English speakers because they mm-hmm. need to be able to type as well. Um, background color editor for watch faces. Um, so just having more customizability. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's going to be an exciting time to just improve on what we already have. And, yeah. Um, and that leads to our favorite section, the Mac. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, I need to issue a formal apology because I said that they were not going to come out with an M2 this year and that it would be next year. That was my prediction last week. Uh, so shame on me for, for getting that wrong. Uh, but it is sort of the same, I suppose, uh, tra- trajectory as the M1 series went, where this uh, in this WWDC, they're just releasing the M2, like, base uh, chip. So no, you know, M2 Pro Max Ultra. Uh, so that's cool, though, regardless, where uh, we're getting the next sort of generation. And I think the thing that I was thinking with that is that it's still on like a five nanometer uh, process, which is what I was assuming would not happen. And I assumed it would just be on or when they did release M2, it would be on a four nanometer, which is what it's supposed to be sort of next year or whatever. So, but mm-hmm. a lot of improvements where, yeah, like the memory bandwidth, I think it was like 40% higher or something uh, up to 24 gigs in the chip, which is cool. Um, let's see. They added, I don't think the ProRes encoder decoder combo was in, uh, the M1 base as well. So that's awesome. Uh, like 8k, uh, H264 and H2 and HEVC, uh, encoding and decoding. Um, yeah, uh, just overall, I mean, of course, uh, CPU, GPU performance is higher and everything. Um, and I think what it's like, 25 percent faster than the m1 if i remember right in like cpu performance i mean mm-hmm. it's like a i'd say it's like a generational bump nothing to be nothing to sneeze at but um if you have like an m1 device like i have the m1 macbook air and the only reason i want the new one is because it comes in blue or midnight but uh, i'm not it wouldn't be like ah oh, yes i absolutely need this performance or anything at least from my perspective so mm-hmm um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say Apple did such a good job with the M2 that your cancellation uh, has officially been rescinded, uh, so you're no longer canceled, uh, Spencer, for your mistake. Yes, um, thank you. Uh, but yeah, look at the chip. It's like barely bigger than the M1, mm-hmm. and of course, like area is <laughs> it leaves a lot of where you can like misjudge things. So it's sure. quite a bit bigger if you like add up all the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's not like an M1 to an M1 Pro. Sure. Uh, it is just like a slad, slight bump on the M2. And that they're able to get a performance improvement out of this means that they're able to use that area more effectively, right? Yeah. Yeah, just overall probably refinement of the architecture itself. Um, I mean, it's still four uh, performance cores and four efficiency cores, so nothing changes there. Maybe a clock speed bump where uh, plus, uh, you know, uh, like um, like Johnny said, it was a it's they're not just trying to crank like push the power envelope in order to get more performance, but they're kind of getting more performance while at the same time um, making it more efficient. And that's probably what we're seeing there uh, as well. So, yeah, good stuff. I mean, nothing, nothing like earth shattering, but you know perform uh, especially when they're on basically i would say probably the same process they say second generation five nanometer and i don't know if there it's a difference in the fab process itself or whether they've just refined the architecture you know itself and and through that is how they're getting all of this performance uplift so 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it could just be that the process is more accurate now, so they can mm. get more density out of a lot of the components. Uh, whereas before, they might have had to leave room between stuff, even though the smallest features were five nanometer. There was still like space between stuff that they were sure. able to now shrink or use more effectively or make sure there's less interference with, right? Yeah, that um, makes sense. I, I can definitely see it in that regard. Um, it could also just be like there's more memory bandwidth, therefore things are faster um, yeah. uh, as, mean, oh, as they have learned. Yeah, I mean, like looking at like the 40% faster neural engine, that's a huge improvement. I wonder if it is mm-hmm. bigger or not. But if not, that's, I mean, that's a big, big improvement there alone. Not to mention mm-hmm. the 50% it, more bandwidth on the memory. That's a lot as well. Yeah. It does seem like they're staying with the 4P and 4E uh, configuration for the CPU. Uh, the GPU is larger by two, I think. It was an eight yep. core, correct? The previous yeah, one? I think so. Um, and then, yeah, it was an eight and then 16, right? So eight, mm-hmm. 16, 32, 64 core. So now we have 10, potentially 20, 40, 80 core GPUs. Maybe. Um, if we like follow that... Tr- trajectory and what i'm excited for is we have 24 gigabytes of ram yeah 48 gigabytes of ram you know Uh, again i don't know when they're gonna let's see these will probably release in fall did they say i didn't actually catch the release mm -hmm. dates i wouldn't be i don't know yeah (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if like the m1 pro jumped up to like 32 and so it went like 64 128 256 if that makes sense i don't know well well, if yeah, so using it would be like either 24, 24, 32, 64, 128. That's exactly what we have. Or it would be 24, oh, yeah. 48, 96, and then whatever, 180, 192. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be a weird amount of RAM. So maybe they like round up. So 24, yeah. 64, 128, 126. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. Um, I want lots of RAM. Uh, <laughs> that's all we know. I care about. We know we do. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that leads directly into uh, the MacBook Air, um, which you, it seems like, are excited for. I am excited for it. Um, one part of it is it looks, I mean, it's, it looks like a thinner MacBook Pro that we have now with the M1 Max and, uh, and M1 Pro, where uh, it's flattened. So I saw, I think maybe it was John Syracuse on Twitter. I can't remember who it said, who said it, but it was like rip the wedge shape uh, MacBook Air. 2008 to 2022 uh so it's it's just flat now but uh it comes in this midnight blue color which i'm a sucker for blue and it seems like they're like testing the waters with these colored um macbooks uh where it's like uh, space gray um silver uh, starlight and midnight blue so it's not coming in all of the colors that we were kind of, or at least I was speculating that they would do just like a colorful array like they did. Release iMac. iMac colors, you cowards. Yeah, exactly. Come on, you cowards. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but again, like maybe this is a test and, and the M3 MacBook Airs will all be colorful. I don't know. But uh, they, they keep getting me with the blues. And honestly, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm not going to get a new MacBook Air. But now that it's blue, I'm like, ooh, ooh I kind of want a new MacBook Air. Uh I don't think I'll actually get one, though. Um, Interesting, they're keeping the M1 uh, MacBook Air on sale, and this one has a slightly higher price. I think it's like $1,199 starting. So kind of keeping that around. Uh, I know I'm jumping 
slides, sorry. Um, but along with that, they have the new MacBook Pro. Yeah, okay. So M1 MacBook Air, 999. M2 MacBook Air, 1199. So interesting that they're keeping that, which I don't think is honestly a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And with it, you get MagSafe. Uh, oh, you get right. a brighter 10-bit um, display. Yep. Um, uh, you get the notch, uh, which has not been bad. Um, speakers and, at the top, which is interesting. Yeah, a full-height keyboard. So it's a keyboard that matches the MacBook Pros. Uh, the good MacBook Pros, not the bad yes. MacBook Pros we'll get into. Um, and you get a cool little dongle that has like two USB seed chargers um Mm -hmm. which would make me happy but i just want anchor to make like a 10 port USB-C, like even if it's like 10 watts each like port i just want a bunch of USB-C ports um because they make a really awesome 10 port usb a uh 60 or 80 watt um Mm -hmm. plug and that is like rock solid so i just want one of those for USB-Cs, even if it doesn't like supply 100 watts per port um like i'm fine with that um but yeah, anything else that we missed? Uh, oh, 1080p uh, FaceTime yeah, the HD camera. camera. So yeah, <laughs> I saw someone else yeah. on Twitter that was like, "I wish I had the bravery of Apple to announce a 1080p camera as like a, a groundbreaking feature." It's like, oh, yeah, the, the, we'll we'll get into it later. But they they did uh, they did uh, offer a public apology apology in the form of a non apology, uh, yeah. but they did fix the situation that we'll get into. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. you can only go up to two terabyte SSD, uh, which I thought was interesting in the age that we can go eight on the MacBook Pros, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. otherwise it's just the M2 at its Mac capacity. And when they say up to 10 core GPU, I'm going to guess there's, there's an eight core GPU. Yep. I'm sure. Um, and yeah, what do you think it starts at memory wise? Probably... It's going to be interesting if it's 12. That would be really weird. I don't know how they're, you know, the layout of the 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 chip the chips are. Uh, mm-hmm. But I could see 16. I think 16 would be good. But at the same time, I have the 8 gig model and it's like fine. So 12 would not be bad either if they if it's only, you know, if they are uh, 12 gigabyte chips instead of like 8 gigabyte chips. 8, 16, mm-hmm. 24. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then they had this super fun video where it was like, cool. everything's floating. Um, very, very playful. Um, and yeah, yep. uh, that leads up into the MacBook Pro that they announced today, the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Um, and this is a 13-inch MacBook Pro without a uh, notch, uh, without a full-size keyboard function row key row. Um but instead, a touch bar, uh, which I found to be very, very bizarre. So, uh, but weird. it has, but it has twenty hours of battery life, so it's got that going for it. Does it have a 1080p camera? We don't know. Um, <laughs> it's not called out, that's for certain. This thing is so weird. I am blown away that they're keeping the the touch bar. And my only reasoning for this is like they must just have millions of these chassis sitting in a warehouse somewhere that are just <laughs> get left over i mean i thought the touch bat the touch bar was dead with last year's macbook pro and that was just like again they had extra inventory but nope they have more and more inventory so mm-hmm. uh that one's just it's got the same m2 it's just starting at 
hundred dollars more than the M M two MacBook Air. So and and I found it interesting they called out the educational pricing. So I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. They have a bunch of these that they just want to get through, um, and they can probably make the case that uh, for hundred dollars more, you get twenty hours of battery life. Is probably better for students than uh, the lightest thing possible. Um, sure. And yeah, that's that's all all there is to it. One thing uh, that you can probably see right there on Dimitri's screen is the active cooling system. It looks like it only has one fan this time, which I think uh, last year's has two. So that's interesting. Uh, that may also be my screenshot flub of it, no, it's previous screenshot in this one. I, um, from the kind of at, like video animation they had, it seemed like it was only coming out of one side too. Uh, got it. So I don't know. That's what it seemed like to me during the presentation. So yeah. Uh, this brings us to macOS, um, which uh, saw quite a bit more changes than I thought, honestly. It's called macOS Ventura. Ventura. Um, yeah. I live yeah. next to a Ventura Boulevard. Checks out. Um, <laughs> Checks out. It's a California thing. <laughs> it's a that California thing. Team. can verify. Yeah. Just don't walk into the wrong studio um, yeah. like Craig did. It's, <laughs> it seems like it's very easy to get lost in Apple. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we have uh, we have the wonderful Macos Ventura. I don't actually know where Ventura County is. Uh, I think it's somewhere north of me. Um, but I do know of a Ventura Boulevard, um, and yeah, it exists. It is there. Um, yep. It feels weird to have a macOS version named after a road here, <laughs> to, but that's that's the world we live in now. Um, it looks like it's just like kind of northwest of LA. Okay, cool. Yeah, not far. Yeah, just probably boring. Um, I, it's probably yeah, nice looking, probably, as, yeah. as most scenes tend to be from California. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so they've got this. Uh, what do they call it? Center stage? No, not center stage. Uh, it's called something else. Stage. I it has stage in it. Uh, I've got it in my notes somewhere. Stage manager. Stage manager. Yeah, so this is an interesting kind of, uh, may probably not what Dimitri was looking for in his uh, window management, and my hope is that maybe they... Let's see how scenes. it performs with 100 windows, and then I will be convinced one way or yeah, another. Yeah, so you've got this like stack of apps, right? And I wonder if like your 100 tabs are just going to like stack out into <laughs> the middle of the screen. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. I don't... You have like little shelves on the side of like individual apps, but also combinations of apps. And I thought that was Uh the coolest part of this is where you can do more than one thing with like a pair of apps. I'm like, oh, great. It's an app centric view of not at all how I work. Um, Whereas this seems like I can have all the windows in Safari that are related to one project as one of Uh these little uh, thingamajigs. Um, and then I can have all the windows for another project as another thingamajig. And that might be really cool because I can still use windowing, but also have it more like Groups. not in my face constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I, I hope though, for me, that would bug me that all of those apps are just sitting there on the side. So I hope they can like hide it like the dock and just only show it when you like kind of mouse over to the left or something. But It kind of is the dock, isn't it? Like it's, it's, it's weird it's that it's dock, a separate yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know. And for those that, that use the dock on the side, like weirdos, I don't know what they're going to do, you know? Yeah, maybe it appears in the bottom. I mean, Maybe, I, I would think it fits better on the right side because then you have all the notifications that take up a ton of room. 
there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's like a better place. So I wonder if you can customize it to different places. But uh, if you have opinions, this is a great time to file feedback because Apple's going to yeah. listen only now. Um, and they will actually listen uh, because this is the first time that other people are seeing it. Uh, yeah. So if you want to prevent Safari uh, from <laughs> manifesting itself the way it did, uh, you can complain. And if you want to change the way this behaves in a way that's going to benefit you, you can also complain. Um, and by complain, I mean like do it nicely because they are other people on the other side and they want to uh, be productive in their day. And if you are rude, they're just going to ignore you. Uh, yeah. So yeah, don't don't be rude. Just be nice and say like, hey, this is, seems really neat, but it does not serve me. However, if it did these things differently, it might mm-hmm. serve me better. But yeah, you can go ahead and go to your desktop really easily. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, there are a few other improvements. Uh, you can go ahead and use Quick Look in Spotlight, which is mm. really neat. Um you can go ahead and access Spotlight from the bar, like the little dots on yeah. the home screen on iOS. And it seems like a pattern that Apple has with this keynote is like anything that they're adding, they're adding everywhere, uh, which is like a good finally situation. Yeah, integrating everywhere. And um, along with Spotlight on the Mo- on the Mac, it seems like it's, or it, they said it's going to be bigger, more information. Um showing uh i don't know more rich information i suppose i i don't personally use spotlight so uh not anything i'm super stoked about i actually like the way that alfred handles things where it's like probably just i don't know it's compartmentalized and like it's very focused on purpose like if i if i want to search through finder i know i'm only searching through finder or defining something in the dictionary or whatever and it's not kind of this aggregated um search but that's probably what most people would like uh in you know in spotlight the way that they're going to do it so that's good well in the past few point releases of mac os there's been a there's been a fun memory leak in finder searches so maybe they fixed that maybe they didn't um so i guess if you are burdened by that memory leak go ahead and check out alfred um which might help you out yes alfred is very good very very good um, redesigns to a couple apps, including uh, Mail, which is cool. Maybe I'll actually start using the Apple Mail app. Um, I use an app called Spark, which I think is actually made by uh, a group in Ukraine, so that's super cool. Um, and it works good. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I've never really personally liked the the Apple Mail app, so maybe this will be a good time for me to give it another try. So yeah, looking forward to the new abilities to search in mail. I think that's that's like most of it that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, though, as evident by my unread count, I have not used the mail app in quite a while <laughs> uh, to do anything useful. So maybe maybe that's the opportunity for me to get back into it. There are equally some improvements to Safari, and it seems like you can go ahead and collaborate and look at tabs. Uh, together with others uh, in Safari and share tab groups so you can do research yeah. together. Um, that seems to be pretty neat. Um, we'll see exactly how that pans out. Maybe Safari is still meant to only be used with five tabs at once um, before it starts dying. Um, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the bigger the bigger improvements to Safari uh, is that they are kind of phasing out passwords uh, and they're doing it along with everyone else. So the whole industry is basically saying, hey, passwords were a horrible idea. 
uh, and we should have less of them. Um, and the only password you should know is the password that you use against your device, and that's it. Um, right. So the less passwords you have, the less likely you are to share them or to use them elsewhere. Um, and the replacement they have are pass keys, and pass keys are cryptographically secure um, crypto coins that you can go ahead. No, um, they are a way <laughs> for you to verify that you are who you are. Um, that you are the same person who created the account, basically. So when you create an account, you're going to give them a public key, um, and then the website can go ahead and verify that public key every time you go ahead and try to log in, um, it, that you are the same person who you are. And that public key never leaves your device, so um, this will be awkward in situations where you need to share that public key with people because that will kind of be more locked down than ever. Um, but... Uh, I have a, they are, they said they were transitioning this slowly and it's not going to just replace passwords overnight, mm-hmm. but it's going to be compatible with passwords for some time before, uh, things fully transition. So, uh, this is all part of the Fido Alliance. Um, and I think that's basically Google, Microsoft and Apple, um, that are kind of spearheading this and we'll see where it ends up. I mean, this is step one in the, in many steps, right. To actually pull yeah. off. Yeah, definitely. There was a cool part. Uh, I kind of, I don't know why I probably wasn't paying attention during this part, but one thing I did uh, catch was that like, if you're trying to log in on like a non Apple uh, device or whatever, it'll pull up a little QR code where you can scan your phone and that will uh, pass the key and everything. So uh, it seems like they've already put some really good thought to, you know, the usage of this in, in a world where again, we do just passwords the way that we've been doing things since the dawn of computing. Um, that led us into the bathroom break portion of the keynote where a game demo was uh, shown. Um, and I'm mostly joking because it seems like they added uh, quite a few cool things to the Metal framework. So we have Metal 3 um, with fast resource loading, uh, which can directly pump data from the SSD to memory to the GPU uh, as effectively as possible um, without needing to like do multiple processing passes or waiting for uh, the worst time to try to start like moving that data around. Um, so that's there. And then there's metal effects upscaling, which is a fancy way of saying we are upscaling your 1080 to 4K so that way you don't have to render at 4K. Um, and this seems to use uh, machine learning to actually perform. Um, and it's a different, it's an upscaler basically that intelligently upscales rather than uh, mathematically upscales. Yeah, it's something that's sort of become a trend in like ga- like gaming and in uh, like I, I like PC graphics. I would say I, I don't know like desktop graphics, like Nvidia cards, uh, AMD, and everything. It, it, Nvidia came out with one called DLSS, which is deep learning super super sampling, which seems like probably the closest um, counterpart to Metal Effects upscaling, where it's like this temporal thing where it's looking at multiple frames and um, inferring things and it's not just you know like like dimitri said mathematical um amd has a solution that's more mathematical so uh interesting that uh, apple is following along with this trend and it'll be interesting to see i don't know gaming is like this one weird thing where it's like i don't know if anyone is actually gonna really continue or ever take apple seriously because they just haven't so um with them they did have this fancy graphic to go along with it though 
<laughs> Fancy. <laughs> yep. Um, and then here comes the public apology portion of the keynote where they uh, say without saying that the camera sucked on the recent <laughs> studio display. Um, and therefore they uh, went and partnered with Belkin to have these fancy little magnetic mounts that you can put on top of your laptop and definitely not a studio display um, and use uh, your iPhone's very, 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 very good cameras uh, to go ahead and have a very professional experience um, instead of amateur hour with center stage and with bokeh and all yeah. the and uh, stage lights, which I thought was like super great use of like lidar and stuff like that. So yeah. they pulled out all the stops and they just said, "Okay, um, sorry to those developers of the app that allows you to use uh, your camera as uh, your phone as your camera, uh, but we are going to." do this because it's like low hanging fruit and we need to apologize for having a crappy camera <laughs> when we didn't have to have a crappy camera um so sorry uh i think it's called camo but uh this one's called continuity camera so yeah i don't know what else to say about that <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's a cool idea um it just works that's the neat thing like you don't need to wake up your phone or anything. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine cool. this works as well as like the camera shutter thing on your watch does, aka not all the time. Uh, so <laughs> camo, I think you still have some life ahead of you if you play your cards right. Um, maybe they will pull a Luna display and make them available, make themselves available on um, on Windows. I need to look up. I don't think it's called camo. Um, oh, okay. So while Dimitri's looking this up. Um... Another thing with the continuity camera is the, this thing called desk view, which is like insane to me, where um, it uses the ultra wide camera to like both show you, but also show like your desk. So you could be doing like some demonstration, like I guess writing something down or the guy was doing like a magic trick on the desk, but it was showing it. And that was uh, crazy. Um, I don't know why that blew my mind, but it's, I figured they would use two separate cameras, but it sounds like they're using just the ultra wide for both so kind of splitting the image and, and showing both so that's cool that's like a, a retro projector where you have the camera like look up above a document kind of thing yeah i always found that that word funny um but yeah it, it is called camo uh real-time follow-up uh so uh good on my brain for not messing that up uh we don't have to edit anything uh, and yeah, uh, go send them your support before this uh, all launches because uh, they have a team that they need to uh, keep happy so that way they can continue to build other cool things because Camo is not the only thing they make. Uh, so go ahead and uh, send your support there. Um, other than that, it seems like that is most of the new things that came to macOS other than the things that we already saw within iOS, right? Um, a lot of these things are kind of coming to all different uh, facets of the OSs all at once. So that's nice to see. And that leads us to Craig going super fast uh, and dashing into the iPad uh, section. Um, so new to iPad is the weather app, finally. Uh, Dark Sky API has finally paid off. Apple yes. is now allowed to make a weather app. Um, yeah. Yeah, looks good. Uh, one thing to note about the Weather app is it is not... Uh, the Weather app is free, of course, but WeatherKit, which was announced alongside the Weather app, 
uh, is partially free. Like it's free up to a certain amount. So if you are a small time developer, then you you can definitely go ahead and use it for interesting things, which you probably were not able to use uh, yeah. any sort of weather API for up until now because it just costs money. Um, Apple called out some fun ones like where is it okay to park where you're not going to get rain um, or where is it too hot where your ice cream is going to melt um, like when to automatically do stuff so you can tap into the APIs uh, to go ahead and add functionality to your app without necessarily just saying hey the weather is going to be like this to the user mm-hmm. um, which is the more standard use of a weather API um, so that that is exciting in its own right I would have to say yeah um, Dark Skies API, when I used it, you know, when it was Dark Skies before Apple bought it, was very extensive um, and also pretty generous as far as like requests and stuff go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it's changed with Apple owning it. Um, but also, like, the, you get like 500,000 requests per month with WeatherKit just as a part of your developer subscription, which is. I think really generous unless you, you know, really get an app going and probably are making a good amount of money off of, of the app, then, then you start paying for it on top of that. So, uh, definitely something that you get integrated into whatever and probably never hit that 500,000 call a month, uh, quota. Um, and then it leads to a demo that you were really interested about talking about earlier. Uh, and then I stopped you. So now you can talk at length about it. Uh, all the new collaboration features that are coming uh, to not only iPad, but basically everything. Um, and it seems like Apple's really refocusing like their efforts on this being an OS-level feature that apps should not need to think about. Like It's just something that's there that users can go ahead and take advantage of, and apps can play a part in, but apps don't need to rebuild a full collaboration experience um, that includes like video and audio and all that that can all be taken care of for them and they just need to focus on the part that their app brings to the table yeah um so yeah you're, you're just able to uh let's see yeah like the demo that craig is doing here is like they're they're trying to plan for a camping trip or whatever so he's in pages and he shares the entire pages document where i think he said before you you know have to uh, make a copy of the pages document and send that to everyone and then everyone would have their own copy but now you can kind of just uh, share it and just live edit um like you know like a google sheet basically type of thing uh where you're all working on the same thing um and just kind of highlighting again you know he like they he was like oh you know what uh let's let's talk to the whole group about this and they he just started a facetime call uh with the entire group that he had just shared this document with so uh cool stuff there uh let's see what else am i missing i think that's basically it it. um yeah the the key piece is developers you can take advantage of this um and that's what i'm excited about a lot of times apple adds this kind of stuff and it's like Oh, us only, and then you're left waiting. So um, it seems like a lot of stuff this year, there's a focus on kind of making it available for everyone um, right off the bat. And I think think that's a very good move for Apple to go ahead and do. Yeah, for sure. Um, There is one secret app that they kind of previewed, but is not coming out yet. Um, And it certainly won't ship with the system. Um, But that is called Freeform. Uh, and that seems to be like a giant collaborative whiteboard 
uh, that you can go ahead and use to work with people. Kind of like the drawing and notes. It's like very bare bones, but perfect for most. Um, I think that's where this fits in. Uh, it's like an upgrade of that experience that others can go ahead and use at the same time. Uh, think of the collaboration that you might be used to with Figma, where you can follow other people's cursors around um, and you can collaborate on a large space without necessarily, um, yeah, without necessarily needing specialized tools for it. Um, your Apple device just becomes that tool. Uh, I don't know how this is going to play into existing workplaces with like fancy whiteboards that are digital and stuff like that. Uh, I have a feeling it does not like work at all. Uh, but when they were showing off the new MacBook Air, uh, they did like a flyby and on the table was like a drawing surface screen or I don't know what it was. And certainly Apple is not going to uh, leak anything accidentally. Um, so uh, maybe it, there's nothing more to read into it, or maybe there is like a drafting table kind of whiteboard thing, uh, in the works. And that was like their way of sneak peeking it, um, to tie into this. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. It seems, you know, just like an infinite canvas where at the start it was only drawings and that's all you could see, but then you've got like images and they've got sticky notes and you being able to type out things. So I'd be interested to see kind of all of the different media that you could put in there. I wonder if you can embed videos and stuff like that. Um, videos are allowed, they said, yeah. Oh, it is? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but like being able to, there's like a little uh, thing at the top bar where you could tap and see all of the collaborators and tap on their name and have it, you know, go kind of uh, scroll or, or, you know, move directly to uh, where they're at. If it's this giant canvas and you have a ton of stuff being able to kind of navigate through things uh, and see, oh, you know, uh, Dimitri selected this and it, it's very clear. So that's kind of cool. Um, not sure I'd ever use it personally, but um, be interesting to see what people do with it. Yeah, um, my wife and I were actually talking about using something like this because uh, oftentimes I'm trying to like show her something on the screen. I'm using my finger and she can't see or I'm using the device and therefore like she has to look over my shoulder um, to use it or vice versa. Uh, so something like this could actually help because we can sit next to each other and have the same screen in front of both of us um, and actually like draw to the same canvas uh, like right there. So that might be a very interesting way of using it that Apple may not have thought of, uh, but um, could be very perfect depending on how well it's pulled off. Uh, one thing I did want to also point out is you see a new like toolbar style for iPad apps. And this is actually customizable, um, which uh, we, they point out later in the State of the Union, uh, which I'm not sure we'll go through or not. Uh, but I wanted to call out that toolbars are customizable on iPads now, and that's really, really cool. I wonder if they'll make Freeform available on macOS as well. I don't know if they mentioned that or not. Uh, probably. Like, cool. I don't see why not at this point. Yeah. Uh, they they've made fitness available for the iPhone. What else can they not do, right? CarPlay on iPad. That's what they can't do. No, clearly not. Uh, but they clearly. can do Game Center on the iPad, uh, which I'm not sure if the iPad had Game Center or if Game Center know. still exists. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but they are back with their green non-carpet table felt uh, stuff. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it's, it's still there. Still it's a product in our lineup. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's the tweet. 
That's a tweet. Um, desktop, desktop class apps. This is pretty cool. Uh, just uh, like Dimitri mentioned, just a bunch of like, I guess you could call it like quality of life things for the iPad to make it seem more like a desktop computing device. So like you mentioned, the um, the customizable tab bars, which macOS has, um, better find and replace support. Um, I can't quite see everything. Yeah, they're the customizable tab yeah. bars. Looks good. I mean, I think you definitely need a specific app to make use of that really well or have a bunch of uh, items, but looks really cool. You can scale the pages when you're printing. Like all the low-hanging fruit that just never made it over to OS. I feel like yeah. slowly made it over to OS. Um and that that's 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 what was necessary, right? That's what made people feel like the iPad was a substandard computing device because like all the easy things that you could do on the Mac, you're just not able to do on the iPad. Um, so now maybe you'll be able to do them or maybe not. <laughs> like they they called out just a few because maybe that's the few that they worked on or maybe there's more to it, right? No, so I think this uh, this applies to both of us in a way. Uh-huh. Uh, me because I worked in the film industry, you because you work on a video app. Uh, but you ha- now have reference color, um, which uh, was a thing you did not previously have on the iPad because it auto like it auto adjusted its brightness and therefore auto changed its contrast uh, to account for that. And you did not have a uh, stable um, set of output color that you can rely on when you're passing it in video. It would, it would do its best to make that available in all viewing conditions. Um, but that did not match the specs in any way, shape, or form. So now there's a reference mode that you can perhaps as a user put the app in or perhaps as the app you can put the device in, um, and that will make sure that the um, the output is as color accurate as it can be. Uh, maybe you'll be able to calibrate iPad devices as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it remains to be seen. I'm sure the betas are out, so people will play with it soon, but... Um, that is really cool that that is coming to, uh, the Mac, uh, the iPad, but, um, and then you can go ahead and have a virtual memory finally, um, on, uh, on iPads with the M1 maybe, or is it also with the A14, A12s? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So that remains to be seen, but they basically said you can go ahead and use your iPad as like a little Mac with multiple windows. You can resize those windows. Uh, you just kind of go to the corner. There's a little like notch and then you can just drag and that gives you a little window. Um, that gives you access to the center. Stage manager. Stage manager. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, poisoned my, my head with Sorry. center stage. <laughs> so I can't think of any others. Uh, but yeah, you can have one window or multiple windows. And if you plug it into a freaking monitor, you can have a full-on like desktop experience where you can drag stuff to the monitor. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I think Apple's done their work and they can go home now. Um, that's all <laughs> we needed all along uh, is no. the ability to do that. They did mention that you can have up to eight apps at once running like this, which is pretty. It's a lot impressive. of apps. I don't know if I can I can fill up all those slots. No, um, but you could have 800 tabs <laughs> in Safari, which would probably make up for it. Use You're limited to swap. 500, sir. It uh, reminds you at every step of the way, once you hit that 500, do you want to close all 500 other tabs? Um, or a website can take a tabs hostage and just open a new tab. Go. Yeah. 
and then so. and then then you're in trouble because it just opens a new tab and then poof goes your oldest tab yep but this is cool because i mean it's like a full-blown external display where before you could plug your ipad into an external display but it was really only good if you wanted to like you know throw a video up there or there would have to be some fairly uh complex implementation of whatever app is is using in order to show something uh on the screen so having it just be like boom here's a window that's cool uh and even more than i was expecting from kind of the uh rumors so yeah i'm excited about that Mm -hmm. i'm just curious to see how well this works because i'm assuming a lot of the stage manager uh little shelves on the side um are automatic um which means Mm -hmm. that maybe it just like closes stuff when you're not paying attention i don't know um like i'm afraid to force quit apps on my ipad because if i have two windows open in safari swiping up closes a window it doesn't quit safari so um i'm not really sure how to force quit apps anymore um when i need to uh so that's that's an interesting side effect of that um but yeah that leads into the end of uh everything they had to show uh basically everything uh, that they showed before is coming to iPad as well. Uh, you can scribble and tie, which looks really cool. neat if you know how to write and tie. Um, and yeah, uh, developer betas are available today already. You can go download Xcode. I would not install any of the betas on your device. Remember that they Ooh. can hose your iCloud account. So if you have a second device, do not sign into iCloud because it can hose your iCloud account. I've learned that many times. Uh, maybe I'll learn it again this year. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's my warning. Uh, as far as the state of the union goes, uh, I Xcode cloud came out, so that's, mm-hmm. uh, now available. Um, and have you, have you used it at all? Uh, we started using it at work. I think we're, we've kind of, we're at the very least, I know for a fact we're using it partially. I think we're trying to move from like just using a build server to just that, or maybe replacing Jenkins. I don't know. We have like three things that we use for CI/CD, so um, I think our goal is to use it. It seems pretty cool. There's we um, we had a meeting last week or the week before uh, where we were running through some Xcode, uh, Xcode Cloud stuff with like automatic uh, sending out of uh, you know test flight betas to groups of people. Um, also, let's see what else was there. Oh. Uh, building when there is like a pull request added to a specific branch. Like there's some really cool stuff and it's easy to do the um, it's just an app store connect and uh, setting all that up is really easy. Just, you know, it's just a bunch of rules and it's not, you're not digging through. Um, you're not like, um, I can't remember how fast lane did it, but it was like not the most user-friendly thing. There was a lot of like, you had to write things, uh, in order to do it. So it's just like an easier fast lane type of thing. Uh, so nice. Yeah. Um, so we have pricing for it now. Um, and it seems reasonable, uh, ish. I, I don't know exactly. I've, I pay for very little CI. So, uh, even the free through 2023, um, which is actually 25 a month, I think. Um, or was it less? It was like 10, 10 or 15, I think. Uh, but yeah, for whatever it was, it was, it seemed reasonable. Um, I just finished setting up RCI at work to do like test flight builds for every PR, which is awesome because that means that like any time someone submits a PR, there's a test flight corresponding test flight build That's for nice. it. Um, so we can go ahead and talk about that in a future episode 
of code completion. Um, but uh, for now, yeah, Xcode Cloud. It seems like it's something that's easy to set up, and you can go ahead and give it a try. And if it doesn't work, you can always move to GitHub, uh, yep. which is also free asterisk until you uh, eat up all uh, your minutes. Or if you set up your laptops, then you don't have to pay any minutes. So yep. um, there's that as well. Apple has a vision for the platform. Um, and this vision for the platform is actually much clearer than it has been in the past. Apple basically said, uh, and if I scroll to it, maybe I still have it up. Uh, I do not still have it up. Uh, I do. Uh, the best way to build an app is with Swift and Swift UI. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. the time has come. UI kit and app kit is no longer ambiguous which one will yeah. reign supreme. Uh, despite the fact that a lot of new Vision APIs, and I think this is where I got totally confused, uh, are only available via UIKit and AppKit and not SwiftUI. Um, but uh, it seems like Apple is is trying to be as clear as possible to the developers that have asked for them to be clear. Um, and they're basically saying Swift and SwiftUI is the way forward. Nice. Uh, this is Apple's vision for the platform. I love it. Um, with that comes Swift Charts, which is a new, um, uh, a new, uh, uh, what's what call it? Framework, uh, to do charts, uh, which seems oh, really nice. nice. Yep. Uh, Swift UI can also, uh, l- do freeform layout, which is also new. You can do circles, uh, you can do grids, you can do waterfalls, Ooh. uh, whatever you want. Um, that is now a available in SwiftUI, and you can also configure cells in collection views to just use SwiftUI contents. Um, so that way you don't need to go ahead and set up Dang. a bunch of boilerplate. Um, so this is like using it in a UI kit context. You don't yeah. need to go ahead and do anything more than just saying a UI hosting configuration, and bam, you're done. That's awesome. Um, so, Dang, I'm sad I missed that. That's awesome. Yeah, so I think this is SwiftUI's glow-up moment, and even if it isn't, Apple's being pretty clear that this is going to be the path forward you have half sheets and full sheets now you have share sheets uh, or share panels that are available um so they really do want you to be using swift ui for um uh swift ui for ui all new all new ui um and swift as a result has also like grown up quite a bit and you have a bunch of new uh, types to help you out though th- these have all been like discussed in public so uh, we can cover them uh, another time uh, we have the pricing for weather kit um, yes it's uh, $50 a month for 1 million calls or $1,000 a month for 20 million calls um, so if you make 10 million calls to weather kit uh, 1-800-WEATHER-KIT um, one more time that's 1-800-WEATHER-KIT if you call them 10 million <laughs> times uh, that costs an Apple Watch a month, uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, you need to s- deliver an Apple Watch with a suitable band. If it's too cheap of a band, they're not going to accept uh, 10 million calls, so uh, keep that in mind. Um, and yeah, that that's basically been the first day of DubDub. Yeah, it's good. I'm super excited. Uh, like always, there's you know a bunch of stuff to to learn both for just personally and for work as well uh but it's super exciting i think we've got some good stuff coming to both the os's but also um like this this stuff that we just kind of went over quickly with the state of the union with swift ui and um a bunch of new apis that that charting one looks super cool um so yeah i know that uh, i think before people have used like research or health, health kit no research kit 
uh, to get some graphs done per, like for you built in uh, without using a third-party library so having that uh, just its own uh, charts uh, library is cool um, and I forgot to mention there's also some new AR stuff um, there's no AR goggles or anything so it completely passed my mind uh, but it seemingly makes like scanning and modeling rooms easier so oh, cool, cool. Um, we can now make models of our houses uh, and use that to put into the home app to have a a map of of, of the home, oh, if you will. Um, cool. But I don't think any of that is actually possible. So uh, maybe in the future. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's it's an exciting. I'm looking forward to the rest of the week because now I get to actually dig into all the different mm -hmm. uh, sessions and stuff, and that's where we will actually learn um, all sorts of fun stuff, right? Yeah, I'm going to have to dig into the developer app now and go through and, like we talked about in a previous episode, go through and star all of the um, the sessions that I want to, you know, watch this week. And, and I never get to them all, so definitely going to have to, you know, just time for the future and stuff. So good stuff. It's exciting. Happy Dub Dub. Happy Dub Dub. So thank you, everyone, uh, so much for streaming in. And to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. Um, we will be streaming at our regular-ish times on Saturday mornings um, from now on. So uh, keep an eye on Twitter if you want to catch us live. Otherwise, we'll be releasing uh, regularly on Tuesdays, including this episode tomorrow-ish, maybe, depending on <laughs> if we edit it or not. Um, so uh, all those contingencies planned for. Uh, thank <laughs> you uh, for listening. Uh, my name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.